You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and I'm so happy that you tuned in uh, for this episode. I had a really great time with my guest this week. Um, and she is somebody that I actually connected with at the Empower Creative Leadership Conference that was hosted by Collaboration in Los Angeles back in March. And our connection of why we met and connected was actually because of this podcast. So that whole meet cute is explained in the in the podcast episode. But uh, through that connection, we had some conversations and it led us to now where we decided it'd be great to record something together. So I'm very, very excited to present this episode with Miss Emily Gao, who is a writer, a spoken word poet. She is a podcast host for Yellownin, and she's also a student because Miss Emily's quite the youngster, <laughs> at least compared to me. Uh, and we were thinking of what we could what we could share with the world. And I thought it'd be really fun to have a millennial big sister talk with Generation Z. I'm very curious about the differences in our generations and the world that they inherited versus mine and where this is all going because I need some hope. You know what I mean? I think we could all use that. And uh, I definitely got that in spades. Emily was such a great guest. Um, She has a lot of unique perspectives and experiences that Genuinely, I think the whole world can really benefit from thinking ahead and thinking about what we need to invest in and how and why. Just get to know each other, you know? Uh, so this was a really, really fun episode with Generation Z. I hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope it plants some seeds and sparks some questions so we can keep the conversations going. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy the episode, please share with a friend and leave a five-star review and subscribe. And I really quickly want to do a shout out to my Patreon patrons and a thank you for helping me keep the microphone on. I love you guys so much. And if you'd like to become a personal supporter of the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash first of all pod. And that's it for this intro. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, but I'm so excited to be sitting down to talk with you. And thanks so much for taking the time to kick it with me. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I, like, really look up to you, so. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I wanted to recap, because I'd love to just get the origin story of all the guests and stuff, but I'd love to hear from your perspective how we connected originally, because yeah. I have my, my spin on it. Okay. Um, yeah. I saw you at the Empower Collaboration Conference. That was a few weeks ago. It feels like a lifetime It feels like a ago. while ago, but yeah. I met you there. And then at the networking event at Kasi, I don't know how to pronounce it. Kasi. Kasi. Um, my friend was like, oh my God, that's Minji. And like, you were like walking <laughs> to get a drink. And I think you were like next to Marvin. And he was like, okay, just be cool. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And I was like, why are you being so chicken? Like, how many times are you going to get to talk to Minji in person? So I was like, Minji, Minji. And my friend was like, oh, stop it. Stop it. 
But and I was like, what I is called ha- you over. What is happening? <laughs> I called you over because my friend was like fanboying over you. It was so cute. But I thought like then, when yeah. you called me like that, I thought you were like an old friend of mine. No. I was like, who's here? <laughs> what? What is the no idea. Idea. All I knew was that you were moderating a lot of panels. Yeah. And my friend was very into your work. So. Well, that's so great. Okay. Yeah. First of all, the, the fact that that's how you called out to me, it said so much about you immediately. <laughs> I was like, who is this girl? I like her. Um, and then you're just and then you're like clowning, but in a lovely way to your friend um and all of you guys are so great that was like Aww. really great to meet you guys and to feel seen and heard it was it was like a out-of-body experience I, I still get kind of like oh people listen to this that are not marvin like, <laughs> 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 who to thunk um and yeah and then you shared with me and then i got to know you in that like little bubble of of time and space at kasi that you're also a podcast host yes and a spoken word poet i am i do and a student i am that too yeah <laughs> and you're just a go-getter girl i guess so i don't see myself as one but sure See, we're gonna change that see this is what the the upgrade will further occur in the next hour where we're gonna revolutionize your life because i was i was so pleasantly surprise just to first encounter and i first first impressions do make an impression on me um there's people that have like completely changed my mind after i meet them but most people i kind of get a good vibe or sense of who they are from the first time that i meet them um so it was really cool that you know when i found out you were a podcast host but then you reached out to me and through Instagram. Yes. And so we, you furthered the conversation. I love that. And I, I told you that I was going to listen to your podcast. And I'm on this big spiel or this big endeavor in my life where I'm trying to do what I say I'm going to do. Congratulations. And I, thank you. I'm really trying. I'm in my 30s. I think I should still <laughs> get on that. Um, but I did listen to your podcast. Thank and you. I was just so impressed with the fact that you and your friend, it's called Yellownin Podcast, yes. that you guys made this happen through the phone. Yes. And that... That you're just out there doing it. Thank you. I'm really thank you. That means a lot. Thanks. Good. I'm glad it means a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm flattered. Thank you. Great. And and so you and I talked, um, and so now we are here because we're like, well, what can we talk about? Because I I'm genuinely curious about everybody. Are you the same kind of person? Yes, like, I am. I just think everyone has a I story. Do. Oh, I guess I forgot to say this to you at the start, but I do yeah. like journalism too. I I'm an editor for Mochi Magazine, and I yes. freelance a little bit. So and most of my stuff I do is. Lo and behold, in arts and entertainment. So a lot of my pieces are interviewing people. Very cool. Yeah. So you you and I maybe have that shared spirit of curiosity. I think everybody has a really interesting story. And I've met a lot of people who think they don't. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know, who am I? Like, what would I say? Mm-hmm. But I felt with you, A, I just felt this spark of great energy from you. But also the fact that I'm very curious about your generation. So <laughs> many different snappers. You young whippersnappers, whippersnappers. who are out there <laughs> rabble-rousing with your shenanigans. <laughs> I don't know, these weird words. But I just thought it'd be really cool to just get to know you. Yeah. But also investigate on what it's like to be young because I feel like I'm in this weird in-between place and you can argue that because you, you even said to me, you're like, you're not that old. Yeah. I mean, all my friends who saw your photos thought you were like mid twenties. So. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> Still got it. I don't know if I want that going though. on. Asian but don't raisin, right? This is true. Yes, this is true. So get ready for that. You're just gonna look <laughs> like this until you're like sixty, <laughs> until menopause hits, and then everything will change. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm. I like. I just want to get to know you. So you, you're so into journalism. You've spoken word poetry. This can be like the gateway to understand life of a 
do you want to share like how old you are? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm 21. 21 total generation Z. <laughs> um because that's that's I feel like we're in this really particular moment in in society where we di- we distinguish the generations. I feel like increasingly there was like the baby boomers and then Gen X and then mm-hmm. millennials don't even get the Gen Y. We're just millennials and then now you guys are Gen Z. There's this an analysis of people based on what generation they are. So how would you kind of summarize who you are in this? I would say the main signifier of Gen Z being like you you are of the digital age. Yes. Um, hmm. Like adjectives or like what do you mean? What's your story? Let's just go with that. Okay. Like, what's your story? Um, I guess I've always been really into storytelling mm-hmm. and I feel like very I don't I know this verb is controversial but I feel blessed that I'm growing up in the digital age because I just feel like there's so many more platforms to explore that storytelling Mm -hmm. so yeah through like because all the journalism I do is remote like I I don't have time to like go into an office so the Mm -hmm. fact that I'm able to contribute to online publications that I can like just pick up my phone and do a podcast with a friend who's in all the way in San Diego um and, you know, running an Instagram for my written work for all my poetry, like all that stuff wouldn't have been possible if you just rewind the clock like 20 years. For sure. Um, Even 10. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. just where we are now, I just feel really blessed as somebody who is really invested in storytelling to do what I do. I love that. I love hearing that you feel because I'm big on feelings, <laughs> but I'm glad that you feel that gratitude, that feeling that you are blessed, because sometimes I think a big you know, kind of the entitlement factor or the way that a lot of young people can be, in my opinion, incorrectly labeled is entitled or feeling. And I think entitlement comes with a lack of gratitude. I feel like it's like you think that everything is supposed to be that way and given to you. Therefore, you don't feel that feeling Mm -hmm. of hashtag blessed. (laughs) Um, Where did you grow up then? So you're like a child of the digital age. I am. Um, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. (laughs) St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Midwest. And then I moved to San Diego when I was like four. Got it. Four or five. And I started kindergarten in San Diego. Got it. So you grew up your entire life then from four onward to San Diego until now you're in college. Yes. And then I I spent two years actually at Occidental, which is in East LA, Highland Park. Uh Uh-huh. And then I transferred to Pitzer College, which is in like the sleepy little town of Claremont. Very nice. Yeah. So we're in the sleepy suburbs of Southern California. Yes. And San Diego, you know, it's a well-known city, but I'd say I'd characterize it as pretty sleepy, too. It's also, yeah, in comparison to L.A., for sure. It's certainly not like a hustling, bustling no, city. No, like people are definitely walk slower, like go to the beach more. And you're close <laughs> to Mexico, it's chill. There's yeah. great Mexican yes, food. Yes, amazing Mexican food. That's yeah. Not, okay, I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, I mean, I, I grew up, very, very millennial of that age. And one of the things you and I just chatted about briefly over the phone was that I grew up in the Bay Area, yes. which is like I grew up in the heart of Silicon Valley in Cupertino. But I did grow up with a childhood free from digital anything, really. Did I you mean, listen to uh, like cassettes? Oh, yeah. And like the little... like She's saying this with such like <laughs> intrigue. <laughs> it's not like, oh, <laughs> cassettes? <laughs> I was like, is that the right word? Yes. Am, I, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, cassette? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm the dinosaur. <laughs> tapes, yeah. Okay. And the radio and, like, the boom boxes. And we then evolved into the astounding technology of CDs, CD-ROMs. Mm. Which, by the way, I have a side note. I heard that the Mueller report, there were some things that were, like, delivered to Congress via CD-ROM, like, in wow. 2019. It was really funny. Like a mixtape? Yeah. 
yeah, the government's old. <laughs> they were just likening. They're like, we just got this report the same way we used to get in Carta. And she probably doesn't even know when Carta is. But anyway, yeah, so that was my life. It like the technology kind of came into my life in terms of the internet becoming a thing when I was like fifth or sixth grade. Okay. So it's just really interesting to see like and I do think that you know the technologies that we have whether it's like we're talking about the internet or you go back 100 years and what technology was yeah. doing in terms of like having a candle versus a gas lamp mm-hmm. or you know like mm-hmm. versus a switch that you just yes. turned on and off those things really do revolutionize the way that we live. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you just it was just part of your life. It's an everyday thing. I think by the time I was in elementary school, like people were making like, you know, lying about their age and making Facebooks. Got it. Yeah. I missed the MySpace jump, but I definitely remember the Facebook coming about. And I was that I have two older brothers. OK, so I would like when they were like showering or like away from their computers, I would like go onto their AOLs. <laughs> And like work, girl, work. And like talk to their friends because I thought AOL was so cool. And Way I, to troll! I, never, I love it. I never got to have my own, so I lived through their accounts. But you lived, yes. <laughs> I thought AOL was very interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, um, there are a lot of stories I think that are still to be told because now all the the AOL, you know. W- I was in middle school. It was like sixth, seventh, eighth grade when AOL and AIM AIM was like a big deal and how that really shaped the way that we connected with each Mm -hmm. other and the way it influenced our social circles and things like that. I think there's a lot of those stories I think that are being written now, Tint, (laughs) myself included. Um, So I just, I I find that really fascinating. Do you, did you ever stop to think about how that influenced your life or like that distinguishing factor of your growing up with it versus other people who didn't um i guess like my parents remind me about it now and then uh-huh. especially because they like lived through war so they like yeah to, they like to make like subtle immigrant jabs about that got but, it um yeah so i've been like mindful about it but i haven't like fully unpacked it in the way that we are doing right now for sure yeah okay this is you like having your mind expanded. Yes. <laughs> Wait, so tell me about your like. I'm curious about your parents. So like, mine came from Korea in 1980. Okay. Where are your parents from? Uh, they immigrated from China. Okay. Um, after the Cultural Revolution, so I believe they came here late 70s or early 80s. Got it. Yeah. yeah. There was a huge wave, wave yeah, yeah, of yeah. Asian immigration. Mm-hmm. Um. So when so they came to St. Louis, Missouri. They first actually they first went to Waco, Texas for oh. Baylor University. Yes. Wow. My cousin went there. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know so many it's such Asian, a little it's like yeah, a, I didn't know Asians ended up there. Waco, but, Texas. Yeah. Okay. What did they study? Uh they were they're medical students, so they went there for their graduate degrees. Got it. So yeah. are they doctors now? Yes, they are, yeah. Wow. I know. So you grew up with doctor parents. I did. This is painting a very interesting picture. <laughs> how how did that impact you? Um there's very, you know, much talk about like you know what jobs that you were gonna go into? Yeah, um, nursing, um, like just very high expectations. And yeah. Like I have two, like I said, I have two other brothers, and my oldest brother's a real estate lawyer. My other brother's gonna be a dentist, maybe an orthodontist. So hey, the bars are high. You know, you know. How much older are they? Eight years and four years. Okay, mm-hmm. so you had a, a big gap. Yeah. Okay, so when did when did Emily find herself? Like, what was your? <laughs> um, let's see. I was always writing, so I was, I've was i always been a storyteller, even in, like, I can remember as far back as, like, fourth or fifth grade, we get assignments in English class to, like, write a short story and share it with the class, and everybody would have, like, one-paragraph stories, and I'd, like, roll up with, like, four pages <laughs> of, like, a saga that I was like, okay, this is a continuation <laughs> from last week, and I'd just be up there, like, 
taking up all the time. The character development's really good this time, you guys. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> my, my teacher would just be like looking at the clock, like, we gotta get these kids out to recess, and like, Emily's pulling these stunts again. You're like, like, oh, I'm sorry, the story structure's a little weak, but I'm working <laughs> yeah. on it. The character has an arc. Yeah, know? it has an arc. Are you listening? Brian, yeah. wake up. Yeah, I was basically <laughs> writing like the first Lost, but. That's amazing. Yeah. So, did you, did you have any inclination of like, like this is where I think it's really unique just how we're socialized and what our perspectives are. For me, as a kid, I had ideas of like what I wanted to be, but I didn't feel like that was a for like a truly formulated concept until a little bit older. But it's really interesting and it depends honestly if you have like older siblings or if yeah, you have yeah, like yeah. I think that has a big impact too, not just like what generation you are, but I don't really think about that too deeply. Did you ever think of that when you were a kid, or when did that enter your consciousness? Hmm. I think... While you're writing The Lost Saga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I always wanted to be an author. Like, I always had a dream of, like, having my own book, because I was just I was just such, like, a book nerd, and, like, I loved writing so much. Um, but I don't think it really became something tangible until... Or, like, that I really sat down and thought about until, like, college, probably. Okay. Just because there were so many ideas ideas from like outside voices growing up about like what you should pursue and like what you should do and yeah. not really like what do you like to do so. right mm-hmm. what is your thoughts and I'm curious because I think there's a big shift like I've seen this even in in my elders of gen xers right that their their parents I'm talking specifically of gen xers because I've been around a lot of gen xers who are also children of immigrants but their parents had a, a different way of 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 life when they first came to America one of the big things was that they were very adamant about them learning English and not knowing their native language mm. so I have a lot of like elders in my world that like they don't know Korean or Chinese or oh, like wow. yeah they were really really pushed you know in the late 70s to assimilate to assimilate yeah. and like don't you don't need to know Korean it, it's yeah. not irrelevant you're mm-hmm. in America now like learn English mm-hmm. um, so I feel like there was a, maybe in that kind of a disconnect with like their roots but yeah I'm just curious like where where did that fall in in your world like were your parents really big on like understanding where you came from from China or was it just kind of like hey you're an American now go forth and prosper I think my mom definitely took on more of that role of like making sure that we stayed connected to our culture so like I remember even though I wasn't a good student I remember going to Chinese school like on the weekends Mm -hmm. um we definitely I think the first time I went back to China was probably like I want to say like sixth or seventh grade. Okay. Um, and my parents always spoke Mandarin at home. I always say that like the main language at home was Chinglish because mm-hmm. like you know either one person would say English and respond in Mandarin and like or like vice versa or a mix. Yes, or like a fusion, like weird sentences of both. Yeah. Um. So I don't think they were they were ever as pushy or like as confident about like eradicating that from yeah. our lives. Yeah. Um. But I do think they did their best to incorporate it even if you know it's definitely been a journey of like coming to terms with that and like being okay with that myself yeah for sure and I think it's really interesting because when you shared with me what you're studying in school I mean that goes a lot in terms of kind of like well it's maybe it's also like not just your generation but how old you are right now where you are in your particular point in life I think it's really interesting to think about identity and how that shapes career and everything you know Mm -hmm. henceforth we're getting really meta here (laughs) but like who you've been kind of programmed to be by the external forces, like you said, all these outside voices saying what you should be mm-hmm. versus what you'd like. Do you think that the message was balanced or do you think that they were really 
like do you feel like you were able to formulate yourself because I think that's something that's kind of different with the older older kids and us I mean I'm on we're on a spectrum here right yeah do you feel like you're given the liberty to like be who you are or do you feel like you're kind of pressured into a certain box or like think, a certain mold I think now I've come to a point and like my parents have well due to like many extenuating factors relating to mental health that have like gotten me to this point where they are more on the side of like do what you want and like do what you love because like we just want you to be happy and like that's why we came to America to like make sure our kids could pursue what they want even though like maybe we didn't have that opportunity Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely think that was a long trek to get there yeah what's long um like the rest of my the the 20 years of life that I've lived up to this point (laughs) interesting yeah that's so funny. Like I, I'm having like this moment where I'm recognizing with my own family that my mom was actually. It's funny what you think it was versus what what it was. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm reconciling right now because I've had these perceptions of how my adolescence was, or like how college was, or how even my twenties were versus the facts. And I, I'm like so fascinated by people because. We will make all these choices and make all these big moves in our lives based on perception, yeah. based on like what we think mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so curious to understand what your perception of yourself and your experience even with your parents is. Because in hindsight, you know, I did feel a ton of pressure and I think there were a lot of implied pressures. But in terms of like my mom, she was always really like, you're smart and you're beautiful and you can do whatever you want. My dad, on the other hand, was pretty polar opposite. So I did have <laughs> like a very strong force yeah. going up against what it is that I wanted. But yeah, it's really interesting to look back and be like, hey, what did I feel was happening versus what was actually happening? So mm-hmm. I'm asking all these questions. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I, I think the older I get, um, the more I'm trying to understand that, too. Yeah. I personally think this is my theory too, and you can tell me if I'm right or what your thoughts are because I want to know. But like with Gen Z, I think it's really interesting to grow up in the age of the internet because you're just exposed to so much. So I feel like you are able to formulate more complex, nuanced versions of reality. So. <laughs> personally, that's my belief. Do you think? Do you do you feel like that's the case when you look at older people? Do you think that they're kind of like off the mark a little bit, or um... what do you? Hmm. You can be so honest. Like, I, I want to know. I'm thinking about it now. I'm just thinking, like, I guess, like, what that made me instantly think of was, like, there was a long period of my life where I, I didn't even, I wasn't even watching, like, traditional media. Like, I was so glued to YouTube because the, that's where I saw um, Asian Americans. And that's where I saw my face being reflected. And it was, like, that wave of, like, Happy Slip, Ryan Higa, I don't know, Community Channel. Just, mm-hmm. like, all these great people that I was, like, whoa, this is possible. Like, people like me are, like, on screen being artistic creatives and like just having that as a possibility um is all thanks to the platform of youtube yeah um which didn't become big for a while you know it was kind of like under underground or like off the grid all those children are making those those videos yeah yeah it's not the way that it is now so amassing millions of views and it was like a huge deal for me to see people like break this model minority these stereotypes that i was so used to seeing um so i just i did i kind of like oh i feel like i owe a lot to digital media for like opening those doors and like showing that it was possible Mm -hmm. whereas i feel like maybe the generation before me didn't necessarily have that as much or Mm -hmm. like didn't really get that exposure so maybe that like feeling of possibility wasn't as prominent but Mm -hmm. i feel like now that it is the way it is and um 
and not just for Asians. Like, I feel like it was a huge movement to just see, like, queer creatives reflected, too. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of marginalized people, like, showing their work on YouTube and, mm-hmm. um, and also different digital platforms. But I feel like that idea of possibility was really pushed ahead because of digital media. Right. When did you start watching YouTube? When was that, like... Oh, um, man. Uh, like, when did you own a smart device? <laughs> okay. Two um, I don't think I owned a smart device until high school. Okay. Yeah. I Good on think, your parents. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was, I'm sorry. I'm just, like, a, I'm I, old. I'm, like... I'm, I had a flip phone. I was with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, personally, I mean, this is me. I'm not a parent, but I, I, I get it. I see how tired my friends are and, like, exhausting to, like, cater to a three, four-year-old that wants your attention and is going crazy yeah but like i think there's something really dangerous about exposing kids to smartphones oh absolutely you know and i don't know but anyway uh this podcast will evolve as as i move forward in life and maybe i'm totally wrong but i just think that (laughs) there's a certain like you're getting exposed to a lot so that's why i'm curious yeah 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 absolutely so you're in high school but you did you start watching youtube maybe like on at home on a computer yeah definitely on computer on the computer probably Uh middle school probably like i probably started like Sixth grade, probably. Yeah. Who is your favorite? Do you remember like your first? Um, man, who was it? Who was still? Yeah, probably the people that I probably I was obsessed with like Happy Slipping Community Channel. I had a huge crush on Ryan Higa, Mm -hmm. like many little Asian girls back in the day. Um, and then yeah, those are those are the people who come to mind. And then of course Wong Fu came on the scene and like changed the game <laughs> oh phil and wes and Teg, good job guys Such sweeties. they yeah. are they're lovely yeah. um yeah okay so i'm just curious then if you grew up with the youtube age because for me i'm totally dating myself but youtube came into existence when i was in college oh, wow. so prior to that it was a really That's different nuts. world of like of movies and film and tv had a really big impression on my mm-hmm. growing up because mm-hmm. that was what bonded us youngsters you know we'd all watch She's All That, and we'd all watch Bring It On and Clueless and, like, all these different movies. I think those made a really big mark kind of to fashion and pop culture and, you know, MTV and things Mm -hmm. like that. Those are the things – and music was a huge deal. How do you think, like, that – I feel like that's a pretty big distinguishing factor because, like, YouTube, you can really kind of find what speaks to you, whereas, like, my pop culture was, like, this is what's popular. You can either engage with it or don't. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can find things way more tailored to you. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt that. Yeah. Because I'm just like, these, these are the famous people. Do I see anybody? No. And I wasn't really aware of that. I was just like, these are the famous people. Oh, Will Smith. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I liked certain things. But I just feel like that's a different way. So do you, do, did you really feel, how did you feel about the whole stereotype thing? Because I personally feel like I wasn't too aware of it really. In, well, I, I started actually middle school, high school, but. I just, I don't know. I just feel like y'all are so above the grade, which I'm happy about. Um, I definitely felt, because I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, so I definitely felt it for a while. And I think what was made it even harder was that I didn't feel like I felt in with the majority, but then if you threw me with, like, the Asian kids, I didn't feel like I fit in there either. So it was definitely this kind of strange, like, okay, so, like, if I'm not Asian enough and I'm not white enough, like, what am I enough of? And I yeah. feel like that exploration really hit me in, like, literally hit me in middle school because there was, like, there was this place called the Great Wall of China in my middle school where all the Asians would hang out. And then, like, the opposite you end called of, it the Great Wall there of was China? A, I'm kidding you not. And then there was, there was another side of school where all the popular, like, white kids hung out. And then literally, What do you like, call that? I don't know. There was no nickname, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish there was one. I regret Sweet Valley it. High. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's way too um, old. <laughs> um, and then uh, just like, and then, yeah, that was kind of like people leaned from one side or the other. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of weird for me that I didn't feel at home on either end. So like definitely like that was like a literal translation of mm-hmm. my confusion for that. Yeah. Got it. So like YouTube was really important to me because it was like these people who also felt like they didn't fit in. And on, they talked about it. And they it. talked about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I even remember um Kingsley was like this. I love Kingsley. I love Kingsley. Oh my God. He was like this black, queer, outspoken, hilarious, oh like pop culture commentator. He did sketches too. But Where like, did he go? I love him. Is he I, still doing stuff? I think he is. I hope he is. But like he was Kingsley, great. Kingsley, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but Kingsley was huge. That like, that was a big one too. The yeah. thing that got me hooked was his uh, commentary on the grenade, Bruno Mars grenade. <laughs> Do you yeah, remember, remember that video? That video. <laughs> You treat me like dirt, like you throw me in the trash. Da, 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 da. I'm not throwing, catching no grenade for you. Oh my god, so real. I just died. Oh, yeah, he was great, and he was amazing. He mm-hmm. spoke out about so many amazing things, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I'm so like happy and like low key envious that that's what you get to grow up with. Because I feel like it's just you get to have more of a catharsis, like mm-hmm. understanding why you're so angry about certain things or yeah. why certain things bother you, why yeah. this is not okay. Mm-hmm. There's an outlet for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so I'm glad you feel blessed for that. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So then what made you choose? Do you want to like talk about your your educational background here? Oh, yeah. I'm just so, <laughs> so yeah, intrigued by the fact that you're studying Asian American studies. Sure, like... Like what I'm doing in college? Is that what yeah, you Yeah, like what brought you to choose that? Um, so originally I was at Oxford Dental. I applied early there. It was the first college I got into and it was like a lock-in situation. Um, and I wanted to go there for a major they had called Critical Theory Social Justice, which is all about like heavy, like Marxist theory, left political theories, very like that kind of sociolo- sociological, all that good stuff. Um, but I think I, as I learned and I was starting to formulate, like, okay, what do I want to do for a senior thesis? And, like, what are the kind of things that I'm interested in? Um, I just started to feel, like, more and more and more that things that I was doing were aimed towards, like, the Asian American community. And I really wanted to give back. And even in the classes that weren't even called, like, were, weren't even filed under Asian American courses, like, I was still doing projects. Um, I did a short documentary called uh, Without Chopsticks in Their Hair about, like, Asian American women and their experiences um, for a class um, that wasn't even geared towards us, you know? And mm-hmm. then, like, for my research class, I was doing projects. I was doing um, I was doing interviews about how education has influenced, like, racial identity politics for Asian-American women in a different class. Um, so even in classes that weren't labeled as such, I was pursuing things that, I, um, that would fall under Asian-American studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was thinking about, you know, going into my junior and senior year, I was really... Um, saddened to find out that my school didn't have an ethnic studies department okay uh, well they it was a very lackluster very minimal very undersourced department and they yeah. certainly didn't have an asian american studies department and they weren't going to have one by the time i was going to graduate yeah um so i was looking at colleges again and i kind of fell back into the claremont schools and i looked into it and they did have an asian american studies department and i was going to apply there anyway um so I decided to, you know, apply as a transfer and see what would happen, and I got in, and here we are now. Very cool. Yeah. So you kind of just followed your. It seems like I mean, you followed your interests, so you're already taking classes that were indicating something. Yeah. Just kind of or like doing it. projects for classes that would translate Which as, would go as there. Asian American studies. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a significant, I think, um, advancement or evolution because that's what I learned through my time when I was running collaboration was. 
I was super into pop culture and arts and like I'm really into the craft and I'm interested in the industry of music and comedy and dance and film and all that stuff but I feel like my Asian American studies was kind of like a byproduct of that it wasn't a super like hey let me understand all of the history behind this or all yeah, the politics yeah. behind it I think those stories came out because I was talking with all these different artists yeah, and absolutely. their interests were like a broad range of all these different stories for sure from Vietnamese refugees to Filipino immigrants and Japanese like internment, Japanese yeah. internment, and 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 the Cultural Revolution mm-hmm. in China, and then Koreans, you know, all that, that's you know where I come from. So how they all intermix and South Asians and how they feel really kind of like out of the conversation. Yeah, Pacific separate. Islanders, yeah, Pacific Islanders. What even qualifies as right, PI? Right, right. Yeah, um, those all came as like a byproduct to the work that I was doing. So it's really interesting how everybody kind of comes into that space. And I went to Berkeley where. Asian American studies is huge, but I didn't know that. Like, I didn't, it wasn't something that people really talked about Mm. or, and um, if people took Asian type studies, they were doing it mainly to learn languages. That's the main thing that I remember from my college years because I was president of the Korean American Student Association. Oh, okay, okay. Which at the time, like, that really, that whole community was really it was split into two. Of course, we're split. But Koreans were, <laughs> the one group was really into drinking and partying. The other was really into community service. But nowhere in there was really a huge discussion about identity. It was kind of more like, what are our objectives? Like, one is Korean people love to drink and sing karaoke. That's what we're going to do and spend all our funds on. Mm-hmm. But the other was like, hey, no, we need to do something and give back to the community. So we would like tutor and do all sorts of like community service activities. But it still didn't really discuss our history. It didn't really discuss where we come from, what was the immigration wave. Like, I didn't... It's just kind of baffling to me Mm -hmm. that I went and I was in these organizations, that I was around all these Asian Americans, but that part of the conversation was pretty absent. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, like, I'm, like, gaslighting. I was like, was it me? Like, (laughs) did I not seek it out? But I just... I look at your generation, I'm, like, so impressed at... You know, that's what I, again, I'm blessed with Collab that I, I got exposed to that, to, mm-hmm. to you younger people. Because <laughs> I was like, you guys are talking about so much more sophisticated things. Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> On we, behalf of our generation. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. We didn't talk about intersectionality. Like, <laughs> that word didn't exist. You know what I'm that's saying? Wild, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So I just, I feel like there is a very significant difference. And I, I wanted to talk to you just because like, I want to know more what it's like to be in college in 2019 because with all yeah. the pros that we're talking about like having kind of this this elevated wokeness mm-hmm. I think is incredible mm-hmm. and I have so much hope and faith in Gen Z but I also can imagine like it must be really overwhelming too just like to oh, be yeah. an adult and and dealing with all this this nonsense every day <laughs> you know we're having our senses assaulted with social media with mm-hmm. all these different things that are you know grabbing for our attention and a lot of them are all needing our attention yeah like i can't imagine being like 20 21 you know and being exposed to that day in and day out. yeah like bombarded yeah do you feel that i mean oh yeah for sure for sure um i feel like i feel like something that i've yeah like you can't deny that there's definitely negatives that come with the social media generation like especially when you think about how much comparison and social media go hand in hand and Mm -hmm. how much you know, you see beautiful people on social media and you're like, oh, my gosh, why don't I look like that? Or you see mm-hmm. people post about their achievements and you think, wow, I'm not doing enough or wow, I'm not that smart or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, like, managing your screen time is so important or, like, 
thinking about who you're following, like curtailing that to what's beneficial for you. Yeah. Um, is really, really important. I think something that everybody who's in the digital age should think about because it does influence your self-esteem and your mental health. 100%. 100%. And you've, you know, I've, you, you shared with me and I, I think it's so wonderful that you're like a really big advocate for discussing mental health and addressing it. Um, is that, I mean, you talk about that on your Yellowin podcast yeah. with your friend, yeah. which is so fantastic. And, and I'm just curious, like what, do you have anything personal that you can share or like anything that you've experienced that made you so passionate about that for or? sure um i think so for like the longest time i was under the impression that i was dealing i was depressed like had depression and had anxiety so i was under that impression for a while and then in the fall of 2017 um i was diagnosed with bipolar disorder so that kind of just like changed my whole view on things <laughs> and made me reconsider how i wanted to handle my health um it made me take medical leave from school. So uh-huh. I was off from school for a year and a half. So it was really hard leaving a trajectory that I was so, you know, because like just the people that I grew up around and the, the expectation was that, you know, you finish undergrad in four years and there's no questions asked about it. And yeah. that's what you do. And yeah. then you move on to something else. But, yeah. you, you know, there's a four years is what's right. And anything outside of that is abnormal or wrong. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, was struggling a lot with coming to terms with that, you know, dealing with the fact that college isn't a race and that if you are going to go through college, you might as well go through college healthy. Yeah. Um, so that was huge for me. And just um, and I was I was going through uh, mania at the time. So I didn't even know it was bipolar disorder. I thought I was just, you know, being myself but uh yeah i had to get hospitalized for it too so that was just like a whole journey in itself so after all that and i mentioned it before but it changed how my parents looked at mental health too so i'm not saying i i don't know if it was uh for the better or for the worse but it did you know change their minds about um mental health and like what it means to have a daughter who's going through this i can relate to a lot of that on so many levels and i think that it's you know People, it's not, it's that whole cliche about it's not what cards you're dealt, it's how you deal with them, yeah. right? And I think that's kind of like this push-pull that we're going to deal with. We're, like, we're given a lot. We're given a lot of um, advantages and a lot of exposure and a lot of more nuanced understanding. But with that's going to come a lot of overwhelm and pressure. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. And just trying to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're humans. Like, that's in a way kind of ingrained in how we operate. But at the same time... I'm really inspired to like to hear that you keep pushing on because I think that's the biggest key with becoming a truly strong and resilient person. It's not the hugest win is like the thing that you end up putting on your Instagram with all these highlights. It's getting up every freaking day. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. and and watching everyone else's highlights and then feeling like, all right, I'm feeling kind of mediocre or (laughs) not even that great about myself. But you know what? I'm keep going like that's a win. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like a, a good deal older than you uh, several year, more than several years but <laughs> deal with the same stuff and and it's funny how it becomes how things become normalized in our life like yeah. dealing with those those uh hardships is it just becomes kind of this thing that you deal with and you can easily kind of float away into the oblivion and never get addressed yeah until it becomes a really big problem yeah. so hats off to you and hats off to your family for like rallying and coming around that to 
to address it and to figure out what this means and how you're going to move forward from that. Thank you. That's a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. I, I personally really relate to what you're saying about even college because I actually took a semester off as well because oh, wow. of the abusive relationship that I went through. That, again, in my world, I didn't know a single person who took any time off from college. Yeah. To me, it like the fact that I was in that situation was already bad enough to begin with. And then t- on top of that, to be at a school that everyone else seemed so proud and impressed that I was attending this school, which yeah. made me proud and impressed with myself, mm-hmm. which had its had its pluses. But um, it was also really, really a lot of pressure to like, I can't take any time from this yeah. to like heal or yeah, to yeah, get yeah. away from a really toxic It's somehow thing. like a waste of time when it's not. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, no, like healing is important. It is. And it's not. It shouldn't be something that's rushed. Right. And I think we're all kind of in a rush. Mm-hmm. I personally mm-hmm. feel like everyone's kind of in a rush. Clock's ticking, and everything's so quantifiably identifiable. Like yeah. you can tell at every second what everyone's into. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You can see mm-hmm. what's trending at mm-hmm. every second. How many eyeballs are looking at it? There's yeah. something really cool and terrifying about that to mm-hmm. me. Completely, and it's just like. It's so odd that we, I mean, that you and I at least think this way because it's like when I think about if I step outside my bubble, there's plenty of people who, you know, go through like serious illness during college. They need to take time off or Mm -hmm. in the military or have a kid or, you know, something, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many people who don't do college in four years. And yet, like my narrow perspective was making me feel all this like guilt and shame and embarrassment when it's really... It's really not like that. There needs to be space for us to be people yeah. and, like, just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, too, because, okay, so I'm going to out myself because I nerded out on YouTube and I looked up. I was like, what can I talk to Emily about? And what are the <laughs> trends that I need to understand? Oh God. But I'm just – I'm curious because this is my thing. This is why I studied public health in college because I was really on the medical track of – seeing patients every day but I, when i found public health i was super intrigued by it because it was population based yeah to understand why groups of people do or behave the way that mm-hmm. they do constant fascination but it was really funny to see like the trend is like even with college and attitudes around education or career or purpose and success all those things combined that's even shifted too right i mean would you say that like i mean i grew up with college is not even a question. Yeah. It is a must. Yeah. It is a rite of passage. Yes, it I was is, very similar yeah. in the environment I grew up in. Do you feel yes. like your peers are all like that? Because it seems like there's more openness to, like, I don't need to go to school. I can just, like, you know, start a, an app or, like, found my own company. And uh, I feel like I'm slowly being exposed to more people like that, especially the more integrated I get into the art community. I'm seeing many people who are just you know go into youtube or yeah. are pursuing their acting careers or i don't know like going into business in some degree yeah. um i definitely think it's expanding my mindset about like the importance of college or you know also meeting people who are in the art industry who don't even use their degrees like, for sure just, for sure that's are, most of us who have a degree but don't even use it so it's like it definitely puts into question like the true value of what a degree means and like yeah um, who's it being done for it's funny, and I, that's why I'm so curious, because I think the future leaders of the world are amongst Generation Z, because personally, there's, I mean, I, I think that about my peers as well. I'm not, like, excluding us. I think that even, even, like, the current presidential, you know, candidates, there's a millennial in there, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, I'm really impressed, Mayor Pete, um, <laughs> which is great, but it's also just, like, this open-mindedness. I don't know, I'm really excited by it, but... 
I want to make a case if I if I can for college because I think the way that college is set up is disastrous. I think the student loans that are associated with just trying to better yourself and develop yeah. your mind yeah. and learn is it makes no sense. I'm part of that. Like I, yeah, I yeah. left school with a, a lot of debt, and I had to spend. Especially when you compare it to like Germany, where college is mm-hmm. essentially free. Mm-hmm. Like Wild. it's an investment in your youth. It's yeah. investment in the future. Like educate them, mm-hmm. make them. So I'm a huge proponent for college. I think education, no matter what it is that you end up doing, is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. I think there are different ways that you can learn. So I think that different types of classes and like educational tracks are really valuable too. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. to just be so boring, cut and dry because everyone learns differently. Completely. But I think education's phenomenal. And I also make the case for people who got degrees, depending again on how expensive it was and how much debt they ended up in. You know, I think it can still be really valuable because I think it's important to do things sometimes that you don't like. Um, and that's what I say to a lot of the entitled people around me, whether they are my generation or above me or younger than me. Part of life is dealing with stuff you don't like to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like life is all about like necessarily happiness because it's not just about pleasure or instant gratification. Yeah. Well, it goes back to where you're like resilience. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's value in learning. I think a lot of people learn from stuff that they didn't like going through oh yeah <laughs> i can definitely test that yeah for sure absolutely so that's just like my no two cents i just feel like education is is kind of undervalued in this country oh uh, yeah a thousand percent yeah which is frightening and i have a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are not in the united states and i'm sure that they're looking at us and like scratching their heads like <laughs> what's your guys deal <laughs> like saying you're so great but like y'all are kind of dumb <laughs> Like, we don't know more than one language, most of us, and yeah. we don't know all the 50 states. I was embarrassed that I was bilingual growing up. Really? I would not, I did not feel comfortable speaking Mandarin in front of uh, my peers, especially my white peers. I just didn't think it was cool. I thought it was, it made me, it made me different. It made me abnormal. I mean, I, I kept it a secret that I went to Chinese school. Like, wow. yeah, it wasn't until like maybe 10th grade that I, I remember I had to pick up the phone in the car and my mom really needed something so I was like oh man like there's no way I have to pick it up wow. I had a friend who was older driving so I had to speak Mandarin and I like hung up the phone and then they were like that was so cool and I was like what was and he was like and this was like a white guy and he was like you were speaking Chinese that's like you were speaking another language that's so cool and I was like really <laughs> I, was like, I, I never thought of it like that Perceptions, like, my dear. Yeah. Thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah, and meanwhile, he was like working his butt off to like just learn Spanish as a second language. Yeah. And so like he had a he had a definitely like a it, it instilled to me like a different point of view that I was like, oh, okay. Constantly, we're yeah. learning, right? No, for and sure. And for his sidebar too. So that's that's really fascinating. What what made you feel like you weren't Asian enough? Like what was that like? What was it? Um, the... Because I was really into the arts, and I like really spent my time story. I like really liked storytelling. I really like. I loved the YouTubers that I saw. I loved entertainment. I loved all things about that. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was into more extroverted activities as a kid. Um, I really liked theater. I loved musicals. All I mean, I could lame. I loved watching, like, I don't know. Did you watch America's Best Dance Crew? Was that a uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I uh, Marvin, did I watch America's Best Dance Crew? I only raved about it like every other episode. So, yeah. yeah, just stuff like that. And now I'm friends with them, and then I still what? forgot that. Well, yeah, because that I followed that. That's what that was one of the driving forces of why I joined collaboration was because I wanted to be around those people. What? 
Yeah. That's so Wait, collaboration started ABDC? No, no, no. Like, there were several groups in collaboration that competed They competed in collaboration before they it preceded oh. ABDC. So like, like who? Uh, so I know people from Kaba Modern, from what? Jabberwockies, and from Quest Crew. That's wild. Yeah, they're my friends now, and oh they're all incredible. And I just look up to them, and they were the cool. That was a huge deal for me in college, because that was like right around the same time as YouTube becoming like a thing. It was all kind of coinciding. Facebook, YouTube, and ABDC were all things that kind of really came on the scene as very wow. cool. Yes. Because you know, young people like. You can think something is cool, and as soon as someone like ten years older than you think it's cool, it's not cool anymore. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, it lost it. Yes, it's but at that time, vitality. Yeah, exactly. Out. The essence has been <laughs> lost. But at that time, it was very cool, and I was that was my moment of like feeling seen, is being in college and turning on TV and turning on MTV and seeing. Like just a bunch of Asian American kids kill it, and Mike Song, and you know, yeah, and Fang, and Steve Tarada, and all them like just, just Yuri Tog, like all of them being so so amazing at what they're doing, so cool. And it was like I feel seen, yes, and we're cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a really really special time. So yeah, pr- shouts to them. But I think it's it's just really. I, I don't know. I just really have a lot of faith in your guys' wokeness. I just have to say it again. <laughs> because I think that being aware of this at a younger age and having a more nuanced understanding of what drives those that, that push-pull feeling is only going to make you better equipped to make a difference about it. Yeah. Do you know I what I'm hope saying? Because so, yeah. I feel like the older gen, we're still there's still some catch-up happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like how do I post a Facebook status? Kind of. Or like how do I, how do I best leverage my following to yeah, whatever? Yeah. You know, like that's that's you grew up with that, right? Right. right? right yeah, yeah. So do you feel like do you feel like there's a more sh- social consciousness? Do you feel like there's there's? I think. Hmm. I think they're over. I think overall, yes. I mm-hmm. definitely. I say overall, yes. But there are certainly, you know, there's certainly still like problematic young people like mm-hmm. uh, out there causing a hubbub about you know right wing politics or mm-hmm. like calling the civil war the northern aggression. You know that still exists. That the still nor- exists. I have never heard. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. Wow. They call it the northern aggression instead of the civil war. Interesting. <laughs> Fun facts. God. <laughs> Emily, you're going to teach me so many things. <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Well, I mean, again, I, I, this is just like my love letter to Gen Z. But I, I think you have, you have such a bright future ahead of you. Thank you. Yeah. The fact that you're doing this podcast and that you're doing your journalism, you're studying the things that are of interest to you, that you're passionate about, you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy. I'm just going to say that as, like, the big sister here. But, like, I think it's going to be certainly fruitful. And I think that's something – what – what can you tell me what you feel like your definition of success is? Oof. Or, like, <laughs> what your ideas at this current moment in time? Because we can always play this later, yeah, yeah, five, yeah. ten years from now. You're <laughs> like, oh, Emily, <laughs> what were you um, thinking? To be able to pay rent, to have, like, a roof over my head, mm-hmm. um, to be happy, yeah, helping people. That's great. Yeah. And do you have an idea? Because I love manifesting things and, like, <laughs> dreaming big. Do you have an idea of how you'd want to do that? Do you have, like, a big vision of um, what you'd want to do? I want to get – I want to have, a like, a, like a poetry – like, a book of my poems, like, put together and, like, picked up by a publisher. But wow. That is a lofty goal, so. That's not that lofty, girl. I know it, people. It is. It's scary. I mean, it's scary. And, yeah, a lot of things are scary. Yeah. But I believe in you. Thank you. I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of good ahead, and I hope for anybody who is you know younger than me. 
don't know. I, I just feel like I definitely wanted to be the po- even the one of the visions or like the goals of this podcast was to kind of help be there as like a big sister figure for mm-hmm. for younger people because again that's what I got exposed to a lot in collaboration of the value of someone who's kind of been there or seen something that you haven't yeah, giving no doubt. putting a hand back and mm-hmm. I was lucky to have that through my older brother but in a lot of ways I feel like we were I was kind of part of a generation that we we're all just trying to figure it out on our own. Um, which is great. You're going to have to do that no matter what. Everything you do ultimately is you figuring it out on your own. No, yeah, yeah. But it helps to have people, you know, shed some pearls of wisdom or give you some resources or something to make it yeah. kind of move more smoothly. Yeah. Well, I feel like even that's all the more powerful when you think about kids who have immigrant parents because they really, yeah, they really teach you that you got to figure stuff out on your yeah. own whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know? And see, even that now at this point in my life, I'm kind of like. I really appreciate that as much as I resented it growing up yeah. younger that I was like not given guidance. And I know that there's some people in my life and my peer group that feel that way. And I think it's valid and I get it. But I'm also like I have a lot of um, like self-assurance that I'm like, I can figure this out because I've had to my yeah. whole life. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in that way, I think I wouldn't trade that personally. I mean, I can't trade it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't trade it because I'm like, that's something I think I really appreciate about myself. Mm-hmm. Self sufficiency. Yeah. You know? So, but now I have YouTube and I can look everything up. Like, <laughs> how to change filter on <laughs> all YouTube. And Kenji. Kenji looks it up for me too. Um, <laughs> so, real quick, I remember that I had asked you in preparation for our little uh, finale. I was wondering Indeed. if you had any advice or any questions for us elders, because I thought it'd be a funny way to uh to wrap up okay do you episode. want the question first or the advice first you do you what do you want to do okay um what did you do or what did you do to feel assured about the future aka that everything was going to work out that's my question of my life right now <laughs> <laughs> if you look at my last like five episodes it's been about anxiety um it's funny i've had a lot of anxiety in my 30s that i yeah Sidebar, I love my 30s. 20s are are difficult. Thanks. They're they're fun, they're adventurous, they're eventful, but I it gets better. I want to say that as like a hopeful thing. Yeah, a YouTuber I watch like loves her 30s too. Yeah. Jenna Marbles, check it out. Jenna's great. She, I I kind of grew up with her a <laughs> little great. bit. She's fantastic. <laughs> She's hilarious. Um and I've heard that the 40s are even better. So, <laughs> you know, it's this is the new world. We don't have to we don't have to resign to anything. <laughs> Um, but I think, what do I do to have assurance that everything's going to be okay? Um, I listen to music. Honestly, I listen to music that I wasn't even intentionally doing. It. I just listened to what I like. And I realized a lot of the music I gravitated towards was very empowering mm. or it let me cry. Mm. I'm a very emotional person. So being in touch with my feelings, um, kind of learning how by practice to embrace the sucky parts. Yeah. Like, if I'm sad, just, like, it's okay. You yeah. should be sad. Sometimes the fighting of the sadness or fighting of whatever negative thing you're feeling can exacerbate it. It mm. can kind of make it worse because you're not supposed to be sad and you're not yeah. supposed to be upset. Yeah. Sometimes just letting it be actually lets it pass. You go through it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I've seen a lot of different – in my life, like, trying to act like it's not there or to just kind of plow through it as if nothing's wrong mm. can – it can catch up with you. 
Um, and then in those moments, also take time to write. Like for me, writing was a big deal because I would let out my feelings. Yeah, somehow huge proponent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people do that. And I l- had many years where I didn't write a thing. Wow. And then when I came back to it, I was like, oh, wow, this is really helpful to oh, yeah. kind of put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and to talk to friends to get help, whether it's directly about what you're going through or just to like enjoy a movie, like get outside of that problem. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, it relieves the pressure. And then also the other thing is the self-love thing is to acknowledge myself the way that I know my friends look at me. Because I'm really blessed with some incredible friends since my childhood. They're still good friends to this day. But I think about other hard times I've gotten through. And I use that as reassurance that, like, you got through that. You're going to be okay. Yeah. This is just a different thing. Yeah. But you're a strong person. My therapist actually said something like really beautiful in the essence of that. She said to me, believe in your power to heal. And I thought, yes, that was so yes, poignant. Yes. And whether you're into that spiritual stuff, like I even science kind of made me feel that way because I was a I still am a huge science geek. I think that life is a miracle. The number of things that have to happen in my body for my fingers to move. Like I still think about that. Like it's really incredible what the human body is capable of and how we're always trying to heal. And then mm-hmm. we're always dealing with pollutants and all co- kinds of chemicals around us, but we're constantly healing. Mm-hmm. So even like not thinking about it in an emotional capacity, but being like, we're very, we're survivors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that I can remind myself and take it moment by moment because it can get really hard. Yeah. You know, um, and therapy. Therapy is my new thing. It took me a while to get therapy, even though I would be a proponent. I, I unintentionally started going to therapy in middle school because I had a counselor. I, she wasn't a therapist, but that's basically what our sessions were. Yeah. It was me talking about all those feelings about, you know, not fitting in, not fitting in, feeling like I was at this, like, clashing board with my parents. I don't know. They were just, like, inadvertent therapy sessions. And then, yeah, I was lucky that I went to a high school with a therapist, too. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's a great resource. Not not every school has that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, or even someone really who lucky. might be there but not, maybe not be equipped to, like, mm-hmm. even talk to you about it. Yeah. So, yay. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I think it's hard whether you're old or young, but I think young definitely was hard in a different way where I didn't have the perspective. You know, now I have 30-plus years behind me that I can refer to, like, that sucked, that sucked, I got through that, I got through that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're younger, you don't have as many of those moments to go back on and be like, yeah, I'm strong, yeah, I got through that. It's a brand-new hardship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Big time. you don't know how capable you are. You really have to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. So you don't know if you're capable of it. (laughs) And that is, you know, as a potential future parent, that's very scary to me that my child will probably go through that at some point. And I'm just like, oh, God. What can I do to help make sure that they don't they, that does that doesn't end them? You know, like mm. th- those are real things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my spiel. Mm-hmm. I I give everybody hugs. <laughs> um, do you have any other questions, or do you have advice? I also asked you like if you had advice for. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we go? Question and then advice, or then advice. Do and advice then... now. Now you got a question. Okay, okay. I want to hear what is what does Emily <laughs> have advice to give us elders? Okay, I said, don't forget about who you were as a kid in your childhood spark. I say this because I feel like the older I get, the more I feel like there's no room for me to be a kid anymore and just do things because I want to do them. It's everything has 
a purpose. Like everything is about networking or everything is about how does this mm-hmm. increase my financial well-being or mm-hmm. how does this get me from point A to point B where I feel like there was just time when I was a, when I was younger where I just really enjoyed smelling the roses, as they Spring, say, as yeah. they say, as the cliche goes. But yeah, I just feel like that spirit and just that that wonder, it's it seems as like a waste of time or like just there's smarter, quote unquote, smarter ways to use your time. But yeah. it's just like that that part of you is so important. I feel like so many people fall into like a misery or just like come into this uh unpleasant place in their life because they're not engaging that part of them anymore and that part of them is so important thank you emily (laughs) yes 100 percent. that's so great that's a great piece of note taken what am i gonna do after this (laughs) to spark joy yeah that's so great condo mood it's it's that's very real i think it's a good reminder for people to Mm. hear that oh i love it okay any other questions or advice okay um how do you maintain healthy friendships during and out of college? Does it change? Oh, yo. It does. I think it does change. Um, it kind of made me sad recently that I realized that there are several friends from college that I don't speak to at all anymore. Wow. And some of it, I think, is kind of a byproduct of the laziness of social media that I'm like, I don't need to talk to them. I, I know how they're doing. I know what their kids look like. I know, mm-hmm. you know, and so maybe there's part of that is, you know, if that's the new reality, just to kind of accept that. Um, but it being conscious of it does matter because I think if people in general matter to you, whether they're from your childhood or college, um, college is a really special time. That that time period, if maybe you're not a college student, but that time of discovery and like figuring out who you are in that 18 and 22, you know, whatever, yeah, early yeah. 20s range is really, really kind of sacred and special. So, you know, value it, live it up for sure, safely. Um, <laughs> and, and also be aware that everybody does go their own ways. So there's something really beautiful about that if you choose to look at it that way, that people diverge and they they go on their paths and at least you share that moment and it was really special. Because the last thing I think I want for people, including myself, that I I dealt with was a lot of like bitterness or resentment, feeling like, oh, so-and-so doesn't care about me. And sometimes like that makes sense and sometimes it's true. Like sometimes people are, it sucks that they don't want to invest in a friendship with you or care to do their part to like keep a a, a relationship alive um and there's space for that i think because i think it'll also teach you how to better value new friendships Mm -hmm. i think it'll teach you like okay i don't want it to end up the way that it did with x person and also do your best not to hold on to that resentment and project it onto other people that's just life i feel like whether it's a romantic relationship or friendship people really do change um not everything is rosy you know sometimes you can realize like somebody that you really enjoyed partying with or or doing a club or organization with maybe you know they their life changed with something in their family or a new job or you know something took them on a different path and you went on yours um and that's just normal and then if it does matter to you make the effort and i think this is the thing that millennials and gen z get alike of just like you know, not everything can be accomplished through your phone or computer. Take advantage of that. I try to FaceTime my friends more just so I can see their face and not just hear their voice or just text. There's a spectrum. Yeah. But like like you're saying, like take time to play. Go on a trip with your friends. Like 
go get lunch with them. And you don't have to buy things either. Like if you want to be financially stable too, you don't have to equate having relationships with spending a ton of money. I, I try to go on walks with my friends. I like invite them over and we just have like tea. Mm-hmm. That's still spending quality time. And I think that that value of that FaceTime feels even more special because we're attached to everybody electronically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question clearly, but I think friendships are are beautiful. Sometimes they're fleeting. Sometimes they're for a lifetime. Sometimes they're in between. Um, and I think, again, it's not the cards you're dealt. It's how you play them. Yeah. So if it matters to you, make the effort. Mm-hmm. Be clear about that. And be like, hey, I know you. It's I've had friends where I'm like, it's my bad I didn't keep up with you. I know you reached out to me. And just say sorry. Yeah. Do you want to hang out or do you want to talk? And my, it might be awkward, but you just let a friend drift away like a balloon in the air. Like, that's mm-hmm. also the, the offset of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, yeah. College friendships, wow. I was just thinking about that the other day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Any last words of advice? Because you are so full of wisdom. Um, hmm. I love that. It's like play. I feel like, I don't know, even if you don't think you're a writer, I feel like writing is so great and cathartic and has been a huge, 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 if not the guiding source of my healing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like even if you're not going to share it, because like I'm a performer, so I love sharing my work. But if you figure that's not you, I feel like writing is so healing and I just think everybody should try it. Yeah. I, I second that. I think so. And a lot of things... Again, now in this world of, like, we're sharing everything, keep things for yourself, too. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Just for you. True. <sighs> Emily, you're wonderful. Aw, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, I hope you'll come back because I want to keep up with you as, you as you grow on your journey. I'll keep up with your podcast. Thank you. I am subscribed. Shucks. Um, so, yeah, do you want to plug anything, like, if people want to follow your podcast or, yeah, okay. or you or anything, uh, your the, work? The podcast is called Yellow Nin. You can find it on all podcast platforms. It's uh, yellow and then nin, N-I-N. It's a play on the word melanin because uh, we think we're funny. Uh, and then my... <laughs> Uh, social media is M Dashery. My poet name is M Dash, and ha- M Dashery is a playoff. Haberdashery, which is a ex- men's accessory store. Anyways, it's called M Dashery. E M D A S H E R Y. It's an Instagram. I share poetry weekly. Um, yeah, check it out if you want to see my work. Yeah, we are we are so excited. I'm just like a big lover of. You're Jen. <laughs> See, and I feel like I'm oversimplifying. I've beaten a dead horse. But I, I really think that there's hope for the future. As well, like, it's really – I just – I feel, that's really nice that you say this because I feel like people are so annoyed with my generation. Well, there are we're things to be the, annoyed about every we're, generation. We're the hashtags and we're the tweets. So I don't know. It's nice that you're so supportive. I am very supportive. Well, I feel – again, I get to be – like with you and like people that have a lot of purpose. And I feel like that's kind of something that's happening out of – all of the, the the dumpster fire preceding you. <laughs> there, There's value in that. I think, I mean, because I'm a big believer in technology and media, as dangerous as it is, I think it's incredibly powerful. And so to have people that are at the helm who understand its power and who understand how to steer that ship, really important. Yeah. So I think it's important for us older folks and everybody to have faith. It's like you can't just crap all over people and expect them to like rise and come to your aid. Amen. Why would they if you're crapping all over them? Like it <laughs> literally doesn't make sense. So and I've just had enough examples around me where I'm like this this level of consciousness is a very 
it gives a lot of hope. And I think when hope dies and everything dies. Yeah. But, you know, the social consciousness, this embracing of equality, this embracing of mental health, asking for help. Um, being disruptors. Also, sidebar, y'all don't have to disrupt everything. Um, <laughs> also, my advice to, to, to the Gen Zers, um, ask, look to the older people and see what they are doing right. Because I think that just comes with being young. Yeah. Whatever technology you grew up with. Yeah. Whoever you are, whenever you were young, you thought the older people were stupid. And the older you got, you realize, oh, there was a lot of things that they actually knew yeah. that I didn't kind of embrace at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% learning that right now. So I say get ahead of the game. Life hack. Um, look to the elders. See what they're doing right. And build with them. Don't Don't do it like a hundred percent like you're trying to undo them because there's a lot of good work that was done that came before you to help be in this particular Mm -hmm. place and times that's my advice is like there's people who want to lift you up and lift each other up Mm -hmm. not everybody's out there to like crap on you or look down on you find those people and then go with them oh i forgot to plug something yeah go um i have my first like feature i guess for poetry mm-hmm. it's on june 1st okay yeah okay in san diego so yeah wow are More you gonna share to it online anywhere yeah i probably will on okay. my instagram which is m dashery yes you must follow m dashery yes okay well <laughs> thank you so much emily i hope you come back soon thank you thanks Benji. yeah uh you can find first of all podcasts on google play apple Podcasts, spotify radio public and stitcher and everywhere else you find podcasts if you enjoyed this episode please do share it and subscribe and leave a five-star View. Shout out to Marvin Yue who has set up this amazing new age uh, setup for us to record this podcast on at Visual Communications. And they are also the home of Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. And thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger. I love everybody, young, old, wherever <laughs> you are, near, far. I will not break out into Celine Dion. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.